day. And it does us it does us good as the people of God to focus on the cross. I know some people I don't like thinking about all that Jesus went through. Maybe if you focused on what he went through, you might live a little differently. And uh, we have four gospels. We're gonna talk about the first one tonight, Matthew. But as we dive into the gospels tonight, there's four of them, four different accounts that go through the suffering of what Christ went through on the cross. He mentions it in all four of them. And I think it's something that, and something that I do, I'm not telling everybody that it's a great idea that I have or anything else, but once a week, I read through either Luke or John, and I read through the crucifixion. I never stop, though, with him in the tomb. I always got to read about him rising again on the first day of the week, and so it's a good thing, good singing, good songs. Brother Jay does a great job at picking songs. We're going to take our Bibles tonight to the book of Matthew, find Matthew chapter 1. The handouts are there in the foyer if you need them, or on the baptistry there if you need that, as well as there's a paper by itself, the colorful one, that, just another one that gives kind of a... have all the notes up to this point, and so if you're missing a book, I know there's a few people that have asked me, don't think I've forgotten Margie, I remember that for your daughter, I'm going to get you a set of them, I'll go back and fill in a few of them, then I can print them. So, you have all the answers? You think you know all the answers, huh? You, you come preach, if you have all the answers, Margie, you come do tonight, you got Matthew, okay? Everyone turn to the back, we're going to let Margie take over, no, I'm just kidding, I know you got it, you write them all in, I'm just you a little bit so all right and let's see any announcements tonight only one announcement on saturday evening and i'll send um we have movie night on saturday night at seven and uh i can only imagine and if you want to come to that that'll be good we'll have dinner as well i will send out a text tomorrow respond to the text please so i kind of have an idea who's going to be here and what food we need to have and that will be a good thing and on sunday we're continuing our series on who god is we're going to look at the justice of god this week some people don't like that too much, but it's a good topic. We'll look at all of that. We've gone a long ways in our study on the books of the Bible. We still have the New Testament to go. I like to, I would, I like to look at the Old Testament as promises made and the New Testament as promises kept. That's a great way to look at it when it comes to the Bible. And the Old Testament, so many prophecies that were made, and the New Testament, those prophecies, are fulfilled. Have you ever, has anyone ever called you and said, I'm sending you a package? And this package is going to change your life when you get this package. It's going to be something very special. And, you know, you go to the mailbox, there's nothing there. You wait day after day. Maybe your Amazon thing or your uh, letter from church comes or whatever the case may be. But you're just waiting and waiting. And you're wondering what it is, and then all of a sudden there's a little envelope, and the special thing you're looking for is waiting inside that envelope. The Jews were not expecting Jesus Christ to be what all those promises were of the Old Testament. They were expecting a king to come, for what they got. The book of Matthew is a book that is telling the Jews that this is what you were waiting for. Behold, this is your king, the king of the Jews. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look at Christ in four different lights. 
And so I had someone one time, they were new to Christianity, first time reading through the Bible, and they're like, I didn't realize that Jesus came to earth four separate times and did the same exact thing four different times. And I'm like, he didn't. Oh, okay. They thought that Jesus came four different times and died because they thought it, and you know, and that happens. I've had lots of people say lots of weird things that they did, you know. I remember one teenager thought for a long time that Jesus spoke English. He was sure that Jesus did. And so, and uh, he was, it, it, it blew his mind that Jesus probably didn't speak English. That was back in those days. And he's like, really? And he sat there and had to take that all in. Gage, I'm not going to tell anybody it was you or that, so you don't got to worry. It wasn't Gage. But the Gospels show Christ in four different lights. The book of Matthew shows him as the king of kings or the king of the Jews. The book of Mark shows him as a servant. The book of Luke, Luke was a physician. It shows him as the perfect son of man. And then the book of John shows Jesus as the son of God. If you'll notice, in Matthew, as he's king of the Jews, starts out with a genealogy to show his right to the throne. The book of Luke shows a genealogy because everyone comes from somebody. A servant, in Mark, no one cares about a servant. Nobody knows who this is. And then in the book of John, he's the son of God. So it tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so it just goes right into detail of those things. So we have four different looks at Christ. You go 400 years of silence. We get to the book of Matthew, and several people, I'm give you a couple quotes here. And the French skeptic, Renan was his name, said of Matthew, that it is the most important book in Christendom, the most important book that's ever been written, talking about Matthew. J. Vernon McGee said this, this, go- this gospel stands like a swinging door between the two Testaments. It swings back into the Old Testament and gathers up prophecies fulfilled at the first coming of Christ, and it swings into the New Testament and speaks of the new creation of God. Upon this rock I will build my church. If we were to try to think of a word, a key word for the book of Matthew, it'd be the word fulfilled. Fulfilled. Many of the Jews missed the arrival of the Messiah because it didn't look like what they expected. The first book here of the New Testament, the Gospel according to Matthew, is a book that establishes Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. The title of the book, Matthew, and his, his title, it views him as the king of the Jews. Matthew, what Matthew does, it underscores what Jesus said. The book of Mark more emphasizes what he did. The book of Luke reveals what Jesus felt. John showcases who Jesus was. Who wrote the book? I think the name gives it away just a little bit right there. Many believe that Matthew's the one who wrote it. Matthew was a tax collector. If you know the story, Levi and the scriptures here, a tax collector. No one liked tax collectors back in Jesus' day. And no one likes tax collectors nowadays. It just doesn't change. But back then, it was even worse because a tax collector was Jewish by birth, and he was working for the Roman government, and they, they thought he was the lowest of the lowest. That's how the people viewed him. And you got to understand something. I'm glad that God didn't view him that way. Thankful for how Jesus views him. This book was probably written around 50 A.D., just about 
15 to 18 years after Christ died on the cross. And as we look at all of this and as we dive into it tonight, I want you to go with me to the key verses and then we'll... There's a lot of key verses. I'm sure there is. These are the key verses that I would say there are. And if you have different ones, that's wonderful too. We'll go to Matthew chapter 16, then we'll go back to chapter 1, and then we'll look at several things tonight. Matthew 16, verse number 13. Matthew 16, 13. Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Make sure you understand something. He's not talking about he's going to build the church on Peter right there. The rock, the foundation, is that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God in verse 16. That's the rock that the church will be built upon. And I love this. And upon this rock I will build my church. Read the rest of the verse. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <laughs> Just a reminder. No government can mess with it. The devil can't do anything about it. The church will go on, and the church will stand. The gates of hell have no power over the church. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And when you got the guy with all power, just follow him. That's what's important. And it says, and it says there the rest of verse number 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man, that he was Jesus the Christ. Talk about those being the key verses there. This is the turning point or the hinge of the gospel. Jesus Christ is God. That's what it's all about. The church was established on that point. And so I want to break down for you the five discourses of the book of Matthew. You can break it up into five, um, five summaries, five uh, discourses, the structure of the book. And so we begin, number one, with the introduction. The introduction, and that's found from chapter one through chapter number four. Talks about Jesus' birth, talks about his lineage, his baptism, his preparation for his ministry in the first four chapters. And as we look at that and as we think about that, the introduction there, it just starts everything out. The genealogy is very important, and... I think it's awesome to go through and read the names here. It's a lot easier than going through First Chronicles because there's a lot of really hard names. The names are not all easy right here in the book of Matthew, but these names, you read the names of the people that are mentioned here. And you just look. Let's just look for a minute. And Judas begat Perez and Zerah of Tamar. Um, does anybody, can anybody tell me anything about Tamar and Judas and Judah? Yeah. Technically, his daughter-in-law is playing the harlot, but her children are in the line of Christ. Think about that one and how God worked that all out. You keep on reading through verse number 5, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. 
the Moabite girl in the line of Christ right here. And she related to David. You keep on reading, you see David through here. See these different kings mentioned. And you see throughout all of it, and um, you see all these names. And you just see all these people that God used and God worked in harlots' lives and adulterers' lives and all. And God just, you know, aren't you glad we serve a forgiving God? I sure am. Because I know myself and the forgiveness that I need. And to see these are the ones that are in the lineage of Christ. And to think about Rahab thinking about Tamar being mentioned, thinking about Ruth being in there, and you just look at all that, and it's just an amazing thing how God works and how awesome God is. Um, you see his birth, and uh, it goes through talking about how the angel came to Mary and to Joseph. And for sake of time, I can't give you a whole view of the book of Matthew. I wish I could, but I want to give you just a, little, um, just a little thought for a second here. Look at verse number 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily, and he had every right to. Look at verse, the next verse. And finally, let's just know Joseph was a good man. This was, a tough, this was tough for Mary and Joseph. You put yourself into their shoes. But look at the next verse, just the first line. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. It is so good that Joseph took the time to think before he acted. So we're so often we just respond to things right away. Think and pray. You don't have to rush into any decision. You know, you go to buy a car. If you take it off a lot tonight, it'll be the same price tomorrow if you take it off a lot tomorrow. Take your time. Pray about things. Let God speak. Give him a chance to speak. Man, what if Joseph wouldn't, what if he would have put Mary away and been done with it? Then all the prophecies that need to be fulfilled wouldn't have been fulfilled. Say, well, God only made those prophecies because he knew, well, God knew what was going to happen, of course. He's God. But Joseph also thought about it. And thank God that he did. Some of my favorite verses in all the Bible, verse 21 there, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. There's no name like the name of Jesus. And someday every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 23, well, behold, a virgin shall be a child and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted as God with us. Two goes into detail, and, you know, we all see our manger scenes, and it looks so cute having the wise men there on the night when Jesus was born. But chapter 2 goes right into the fact that they, um, there came wise men, they came to the house where he was at. I think it's an amazing thing that you can read through chapter number 2. See how the scribes knew the scriptures, but they totally missed it. If the wise men could see the star, I'm sure the scribes could see the star. I think it was visible. They knew the scriptures, yet they missed the Lord. And sometimes, and even today, there are many people that say they're religious and think they're religious, and they totally miss Jesus. 
You could walk in the room and you'd totally miss him because you're so caught up on things to fix. Be careful in those areas. Keep your eyes out open for Jesus and look to him. Very important was when he went down to Egypt. That was prophesied about. John the Baptist, we see his ministry. We see Christ's baptism. Then we see the temptation and his calling of the disciples. That was all the introduction to the book of Matthew. The five discourses start, number one, with the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5 through chapter number 9. And what a, what a teacher, what a preacher Jesus was and is. The Sermon on the Mount, as we look at that, Jesus showed us how to live in God's kingdom. Jesus would talk about our so the Beatitudes, and he'd go even further on. He talks about prayer in chapter number 6. He talks about so He teaches so many things. He shows us how to live in his kingdom. And then there's a number of accounts in those chapters from chapter 7, 8, and 9 about healings that took place. And what Matthew was doing was he was establishing the fact of Jesus' authority as a teacher and as a healer very early into the book. So we see, number one, we see the Sermon on the Mount. Number two, chapter 10 through 12, we see he prepares his disciples for opposition. Prepares his disciples for opposition. You see, and as you look at chapter 10 through 12, the growing oppression, to the opposition to his ministry. He prepares them in chapter number 10, but then chapter 11 and 12, you really see these things starting to come out and experiencing them. And if you, as a Christian, if we look today and we look, oh, it's sometimes we get opposed for our faith and all of that, read what, read, read what real opposition is. Read chapter 11 and 12 of Matthew and see how to deal with that. And it's important to see. And uh, so we have the Sermon on the Mount. We have the, he prepares his disciples for opposition. We see number three, we see the responses to Christ. The parables of chapter 13. There are seven parables unique to the book of Matthew that are not found in the other Gospels. And they teach about the kingdom of heaven and the polarizing truths and the facts that come about from these truths. Some people during this time as he's telling these parables, they believe that he's the Christ. Others are neutral. Even John the Baptist, remember, when he's in, he was even questioning, is this really him? And this, I, for me, that was good to see that even, even a man, that there's none born among women like John the Baptist, that even if he doubted some, then I'm going to be okay because every once in a while we all have our little issues. Some believed he's the Christ, others were neutral, and others believed he was a false teacher and should be put to death. And we see that in the middle of the book of Matthew. The fourth discourse would be how to live as a Christian. From chapter 16, verse 20, through chapter number 18, he teaches about discipleship. He shows the disciples how to live together. The parables in chapter 18, and as a Christian... In a church, chapter 18, every Christian should study that chapter. It teaches about how to deal with sin in the church. It talks about how to forgive one another when someone's, has, when someone's offended you, how to deal with that with a Christian brother. And the Lord is teaching his disciples these things, and it's so important. It's a healthy chapter 18, and deals with wrong expectations in the church. This is a great chapter for you to study as a part of being part of the church. We see that there's the Sermon on the Mount. He prepares his disciples for opposition. 
responses to Christ. We see how to live as a Christian. And then we see judgment. Chapter 19 through 24. The conflict surrounding Christ grows. Opposition intensifies. Jesus promises upon Israel. Jesus lets them know in chapter 25 that the leaders would be judged, the temple would be destroyed, and eventually everyone would be judged by God. A lot of Christians, and I don't have time tonight to get into great detail, but a lot of Christians mess up the theology that is found in Matthew 24 and chapter 25. A lot of good, they call it, well, they, they say they're good Christians. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to judge them on that. But they take Matthew 24 and 25, and they take from those passages that, it's a post, that there's a post-tribulation rapture. If you understand the scriptures, and let me just remind you, who, this book of Matthew was written for who? The Jews. To see Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. So in chapter 24 and 25, where it goes into detail about judgment, and it goes into detail about how they'll be hated, and talks about the tribulation beginning and all of these things and how they go through, and the abomination of desolation found in um, the book of Daniel mentioned in chapter 24, verse 15, and it goes through all these details. That is not for the church. That is referring to the Jews, because you've got to understand something. God's not done working with the Jews. 69 weeks of years have been accomplished. There's one seven-year period still to come. God began and worked with the Jews. They rejected Christ. And what did the Lord say? You reject me, I'm rejecting you. And that's when the mystery, God's mystery began at the church. The church age that we live in today. And sometime the church is going to be raptured out of here. And that's going to set off the last seven years of judgment and how God works with Israel. The Jews play a vital part in all of it. Why do you think they're still so involved in everything today? Why is Jerusalem mentioned? Why is all these different things? And it's, they're, it's just amazing to me, and people just don't get it. And when we look at all of this, but just make sure, you say, well, then, the book of Matthew is just written for the Jews, so I just shouldn't read it. Shut up. Don't say that either. Oh, I was copying Biden, what he said. Shut up, man. Isn't that way? I tell you, last night, that was, and I, and I will tell you, and you already know where I stand on president and all of that, but one thing you should just remember, and something that you keep in your head, just re, and some Christians get carried away like the president's our savior and our hope, not at all, not at all, he's a man, and uh, anyways, I had a headache after watching that last night. That's all I had. And someone took, they took a picture of both of them, and on their phone they were able to make them from old men into children. And they still had their face. That's exactly what the kids fighting back and forth. It was Matthew and David going at it, is what it sounded like with Biden and Trump last night. And it was, and, man, anyways. But so many Christians, then I just shouldn't read the book of Matthew. The scriptures given to us, there's so much for us to learn from all of it. But the thing you got to remember is that there are some prophecies and things mentioned in the scriptures that you got to remember, they might not be for us. Like we love to quote that verse, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. That was not a promise to America because America wasn't around. 
That was said after the temple was built. And that was God speaking to Israel. Is there a great Bible truth and some promises and something that, some, some things we can see on how to, how to get back to God? Sure, there's a lot of things to learn from it. But that was a promise to them. We see that the book of Matthew, this was written for the Jews to show their king. They missed it. And so when you look at chapter 24 and 25, you must look at it in that light. We see, then you have the conclusion of the book, which would be chapter 26 through 28. We see his arrest, his trial, his suffering, his death, his resurrection. And we see the great commission that Jesus gave and the book ends. That's the book of Matthew. The king of the Jews had come, but the Jews missed it. They were looking for a political king with military might. He came as a good shepherd. They were looking for the lion of the tribe of Judah. Got the lamb that was, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Totally missed it. The Jews, you think about that, throughout Scripture and throughout their day, and even today, I talked to a, to a Jewish man, just a, a rabbi, not too long ago. And, you know, they hold David pretty high. David's pretty high to them. Abraham, you talk about Abraham, Isaac, you talk about Jacob, Moses. Moses was their deliverer, right? He delivered them out of Egypt. Something that's very interesting when you study the book of Matthew is further than Moses has come. The very beginning, he talks about David, right? He mentions Abraham. He mentions Isaac. He mentions Jacob. When we think about Moses, it's pretty interesting. Think about some of the parallels between Jesus and Moses. Let's just think for a minute in our minds, okay? Jesus ends up in Egypt as a child. Some similarities there. There was a decree for young male children to be killed. No other gospel talks about that but Matthew. Not mentioned in the others. Think about his baptism. That's my beloved son. What did it talk about in Exodus 4.22? And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. How many years was Moses in the wilderness? Forty. How many days was Jesus tempted in the wilderness? Forty. Some similarities there. I'm not trying to get you off on things. Where did Moses get the law from? Mount Sinai, right? Where did Jesus give the law from? The Sermon on the Mount. He went up to a mount. The Mount Transfiguration, who was there? Moses and Elijah, right? Christ fulfilling the law, Moses and Elijah the prophets. His teaching began, and that's what they were talking about. How many discourses are there in the book of Matthew? I gave you those, right, five? How many books of the law are there? There's some similarities there. So Jesus, you think about this, Jesus is greater than any of their prophets, greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, greater than King David, greater than Solomon, greater than all of them. He's the one who could save them from their sins, and they totally missed it. Jesus fulfills everything you need and everything you've looked for. 
want you to look at one last thing, and then we're going to watch the videos. There's two of them. So I needed 15 minutes for the two of them because they split the book into two. Go to Matthew chapter 1. You're still there. And look down at verse number 23. I mentioned this verse a few minutes ago. But I just want you to think about something. Sometimes I just like to give you things to spark some curiosity and get you thinking on your own. Look at verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is what? God with us. Now go to the last chapter of Matthew. Matthew 28. Let's look at the end of the verse, the Great Commission. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends, end of the world. Amen. He came to be God with us, and guess what? He's still God with us, and he will always be God with us. And that's my king, and your king as well tonight.